There's a difference between a person's words and their voice. Oh. Don't you think? When I think of specific disciplines, there are always certain people who come to mind. You know, those who've spent years digging in, and the practice seems to have helped shaped and woven who they are. This month, we're working with the discipline of guidance. Phil Anderson is one of those people. He embodies a seeking, a waiting, a desperate longing to hear from God. What follows is a really special interview for me. I think it's one of my favorites. Professionally, Phil's a wonderful speaker, writer, and spiritual director. But personally, he's a really good friend. We talk almost weekly, have for years. And this interview feels pretty much like one of our normal conversations. And I'm happy to have the chance to share it with you. My name is Nathan Foster. And welcome to the Renovare Podcast. You know, Jan Johnson introduced me to this term that I found so helpful. It, Jesus was interruptible. Mm. So you see that in the in the Gospels that you know they're going somewhere and then someone, hey Jesus, Happens all the time. Mm-hmm. We didn't seem to fight it. Just, okay, here we go. I mean, I think a classic for me, the first occasion of that that comes to mind is uh, Jairus comes to him with a, 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 an urgent, desperate need. His daughter's dying. Last hope. Yeah. And... Immediately, Jesus heads off with him, and someone touches him, and he stops. That 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 whole scene just blows my circuits. I, mm-hmm. Leads me to wonder all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that interruptible. That 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 also suggests available. Yeah. See, that's what the where it's been so helpful for me is, you know, I've got I'm focused. I've got my list that I'm diligently working on. And then my kid knocks on my office door. Hey, dad, what's up? Right. right. And then right. now there's the decision. Right. And to go, you know, value wise, this is one of the most important people in the world to me. And they want to have an exchange and interaction. Am I interruptible? Can I? Yeah. Or is my email much more important, you know. Right. So there is this tension because there really are times when I think it's appropriate to say to an important interruption, you really matter, you're very important, but now is not the best time. Mm -hmm. But I promise, (laughs) I promise as soon as I, I, in other words, I, there can't there can't be a rule that it's always right. Yep, yep. To give in to the interruption mm-hmm. or to never. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, Phil. It must be black and white. There must 
<laughs> Perhaps someday. <laughs> it requires a level of discernment, doesn't it? Yeah. Always. Yeah. My dad has a good line that I've found helpful on the other end, right? So we've got the interruptible. And then he'll do this when people will ask him to do something. He'll say something to the effect of, in order for me to be faithful to my previous commitments, I have to say no. Meaning, right? I've already committed to this. And if I say yes to this new thing, then I will be not following through on the commitments I've already made. Which I really, really like that idea, because every yes comes with a no. So back to Jesus, um, it seems to me that there was always this listening to the people around him Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, until he decided or, or... understood it was time to separate himself. There was also, at the, at the same time, this deep inner listening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because he gives these, um, well, they're more than clues. He, he says, you know, everything I say, I've been given. Yeah. You know, everywhere I go, I'm sent. I, I don't really have a will of my own but to do the will of the one who sent me. And we're talking about guidance. He seemed to have this internal guidance system. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I keep asking, how do you do that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So last week, someone really with a a very legitimate and and seemed at the time desperate need um, asked for some time and I was working on something, and I had a schedule. People that had been waiting. Previous commitment you were trying to honor, right? Right. But this really did, there did seem to be an urgency. As I was engaged with this person, somewhere the question surfaced, um, so how long has this really been an issue? Mm -hmm. And they said, oh, I've been dealing with this for a while. I began to think, if this has been going on for a while, Maybe the pressing need that you feel to talk about at this moment is more a matter of, of um, your convenience or it's the only thing on your mind right now. Yeah. And, and so I, I said to them, I promise you I want to be with you about this, but now really is not a workable plan. Mm-hmm. I certainly care about you, but I so care about these others. and But then there are times I think it's very appropriate to just stop. I think there is some kind of a rule, but it's not that black and white kind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what this reminds me of? Um, do you know Juanita Rasmus? Yes. Yes. Yeah. We were doing an event together last summer in Oregon, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but there was something extra that I was asking her to do. Or, you know, would you be open to doing, I just, I don't quite remember what it was, but what I do remember was her response. She said, well, hang on, let me ask. And then she kind of closed her eyes and she was clearly praying, you know, just kind of, okay, nodding her head, just kind of waiting. She says, yep, yep, let's do it. And two things struck me. One is there was a kind of, um, 
awkwardness to that direct of, I am now going to pray about a decision and I'm hearing from God and now here's my answer. But at the same time, I thought, oh, so simple, so brilliant. Like, of course. I mean, that's guidance, right? To just pause and hear as best you can if God has a, a helpful word on it. Yeah, sure. That reminds me of uh, early days in our marriage and trouble that Lucy and I think got into occasionally when there would be um, a decision to be, to be made, and usually not a great big deal, but it really was a decision that involved both of us. And I would just, I'd answer for both of us, mm. I'd decide for both of us. And that kind of blew up in my face a few times. So we sat down um, probably more than once and discussed. You know, what, what would be some guidelines here? Uh, for instance, like money. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, don't, we just don't make major purchases without communicating with each other about whether this is the thing to do. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think with God, there, that, that's a good practice as well. I could answer for us, but let me let me ask. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm thinking about how that went in the early years of our marriage. There are probably fewer of those conversations now, um, simply because I know before I ask, and so I'm I'm able to say no to some things mm-hmm. because I just I I just know that's the answer. Right. I know her. Mm-hmm. She could do the same for you too, right? Yes. So I think um, in terms of that day in, day out life with God that we're trying to live, it works that way as well. Mm-hmm. I like that. The misogyny that many of us are raised with to take control and make, make decisions, How that's really destructive, clearly but that we can take that same kind of control into life with God. For sure. Do you get sometimes, I mean, it's interesting to me how (laughs) we're now talking about the spiritual practice of guidance. Uh, Didn't mean to just yet, but here we are. Um, (laughs) I love that. Do you you get uh, this response sometimes? Well, either one would be good, Phil. You choose. Yeah, I think I think it comes to me. Um, maybe the words are a little different. Um, what would you like to do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What makes your tail wag? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think that's really the case. I mean, it, it, sometimes uh, they're both good. Mm-hmm. Uh, neither's uh, wrong or bad. A long time ago, I was walking with a friend. We were out in, out in the woods, and we were just strolling, talking, and all of a sudden, they just they just stopped and said, do you hear that? Totally clueless. <laughs> and uh, they, they, were, they were hearing this odd sound from a bird, and uh, it turned into a fascinating conversation. They, they're kind of into bird watching. I'm kind of not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So their ear was trained in a way that mine has not been trained. And I think uh, they just love the sound of a bird's voice so much that they're they're far more alert to it and more prone to hear it 
I had to strain to hear what they were talking about. <laughs> well, y- you were looking at years of loving the voice of birds. Yes. Seeking to be attentive to the voice of a bird. And it was very um, appealing. Um, I loved that moment. I loved how sensitive they were. I'm so inclined to uh, jump on bandwagons that roll by. I'm sure I thought that day, I don't recall this, but it would be just like me to think, I'm going to be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, if I did have that thought, it passed because I haven't become that way with birds. <laughs> and, and my point is, I think that comes with a lot of practice. Yeah, yeah. But I think what precedes the practice must be, there must have been a real desire for that. Mm-hmm. And there's where we start in seeking to hear discern the voice of God, right? Yeah, I love something Frederick Bigner says, that uh, God is speaking all the time. And then he mixes metaphors. If we weren't as blind as bats, <laughs> we would hear more often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think the bird metaphor is perfect because... It seems to me that it's often subtle enough that you have to, it requires some intentionality because it can get lost in the mix. Well, lost for sure. And I think in part, there are so many demanding voices, I mean, and loud and repetitive. Uh, Lucy and I were watching some TV last night and I turned to her and said, if I have to listen to that commercial again, I'm going to scream. I've, just, <laughs> I've heard that, all I want to hear it, right? They want me to buy. And um seems my experience, God's sometimes not all that demanding. You know, um, hey, if you, I would love for you to listen. I'd love for you to hear this. Love, love, love for you to hear this. But I'm not going to just... Keep annoying you. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll I'll be here. I, w- I won't go away. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to make you listen. I mean, I, God can make me listen if God decides to, but it doesn't seem to be God's nature. No, I I sometimes think the. I mean, if it's an interesting study to look biblically at the times where really loud, you know, there's a, a, a vocal voice from God or, a, a, you know, very yeah. profound. Um, those weren't necessarily good times. Those were times when people were so thick and blatantly ignoring yes. that the only means was to knock you off your horse, right? Yes. And that wouldn't it be, doesn't it seem like it's God to help grow us into listening to those whispers and pressing in. And that helps us grow much more than uh, lots of loud, clear, audible voices. That starts me wondering about the different ways that God speaks. (laughs) So I've kind of gotten out of the habit of, um, walking you know it gets cold and i just don't want to go out and walk it's so windy it's cold it hurts Mm -hmm. so i've gotten out of the habit and realized um recently i've 
just got to get back at it. It's just good for me. Mm-hmm. I know it is. So I did. I went for several walks last week, and there are parts that were sore, even with the walking shins, you know, just the muscles that run along the shin bone there were just, ugh. And I got tickled a few times thinking, um, maybe it's just my muscles, but I almost feel like God is whispering in that ache, that pain. See? <laughs> See, it, it's good for you to maintain this habit. Hmm. <laughs> and I laughed till I cried a few nights ago. It's just so good. And I'm feeling some of it right now. I think I heard God's voice even in that moment. Uh, see how good it is for you to laugh from that deep place. Look, you've, you've got tears. It's, and I don't think it was just my laughter talking. I think it was God talking through my laughter. Mm-hmm. Right? So yeah. I, maybe God speaks in more voices than we realize. That movement of laughter to tears, yeah, happy tears. That yeah. that's happened to me a number of times. That's a good. That's a good experience. It is. It's a helpful experience. I find actually now that we talk about it, Phil, I often find that when I'm praying and I feel like there's some nudge or some response, I often laugh or smile. Like I would with a friend when we discovered something. Hmm? Well, and you mentioned some of these biblical accounts. Um, I don't know if it's the voice of God that speaks sometimes as as much as other voices that God directs. Mm. Directly, it's the voice of God. Sure. You know, a whole a range of feelings, and thoughts. It just amazes me how compassionate, caring, kind, and determined God is to um, get our attention. Mm. Not, not, not in an angry, demanding way, but out of deep, deep affection. And isn't it good because... I need help. (laughs) I need guidance. (laughs) May, but not as much as me. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. More than ever. Do you find that as, as you grow older? I don't know if it's true that I need guidance more. I just know more than I ever have known. That I need it. <laughs> I mean, is there a moment when I don't? Mm. And perhaps um, given that, it's true to say that uh, I'm never more vulnerable or in a dangerous, risky place than when I'm thinking, oh, I've, I've got this. I, really, I've I got this. Yeah. You know, Gerald May was someone who meant a lot to me. Um, well, still does, but 
You wrote a book about the dark night of the soul. Mm-hmm. A little different take on it. He he spoke of the dark night uh, more in terms of the whole of our life experience. That all of life is a bit of a dark night. <laughs> and um, there's something very appealing to me about that idea that, um, no, that's not just uh, one time. <laughs> Because uh, his, his, his thinking about that, his reasoning was, is there ever a moment when we don't need God's guidance? And, and if, in fact, there is a moment when we believe we don't, then in that moment, we're probably thinking, I've got this. I remember him saying, um, if he didn't keep us in a dark night, we'd do one of two things. We'd either, what I've just described, um, take that approach. Or we'd see what the plan is, and we'd go, "Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I, that does not look like a good plan." And so there'd be resistance, or there'd be um, taking control, mm-hmm. and neither has worked well for me <laughs> historically. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm catching a few things here that maybe through the years we grow in our awareness of our need for guidance, but then also grow in our hearing, our our, our kind of easy knowing, right? And I just think of Juanita that she just, just turns. Yep, there it is. And she has some clarity. I mean, scripture has certainly been and continues to be a huge source of guidance. The written, the, the spoken word mm. that God offers. But there's a difference between a person's words and their voice. Oh. Don't you think? I do. And, um, and I've, I've given attention to that here for the last few years. And for several reasons, um, I think the evil one very craftily uses... God's words sometimes to mislead us, mm. to deceive us. So I was doing I was doing some work with the um, Ignatian exercises a few years ago, and one of the things that um, that his exercises are designed to do is to help us discern the difference between um, the voice of God and the and and the Word of God and. Um, that, that sometimes what is a, seems a very consoling word is, is uh, actually uh, the evil one trying to divert us. Hmm. So there was, so I remember in particular one exercise where, where, where Ignatius said, this is only a warm-up. Don't get stuck here. Okay. Do, do this for a short period of time, but even if there's consolation in it, it when it's time to move on, move on. Okay. One, one morning, I was just, it was just so good. And I, I, I heard that prompt, you know, it's time to move on. I did not want to move on. This is good. This is good. Mm. And, and it suddenly occurred to me, it may be, it may be good, but it's not good for you to remain here. Mm. It is time it's time, for, and so maybe I mean maybe a practical application of that would be. Uh, so I'm eating cheesecake, and I've had my slice. Now perhaps it's time for me to to not eat anymore. Mm-hmm. 
been good, but let's let's move on now. Yeah, yeah, right. So I think that that, that also that difference between the words and the voice. A couple of things come to me. There are people in my life whose words have been and continue to be very important to me, and I, I have a you know a rich kind of abiding memory of things they said to me. I mean, our, our friend Brennan. I, mm. Think of things that Brennan said to me at times, and I've never worried that I would forget what he said. Okay. But there's also a quality to his voice, and I've asked God to not let me forget the sound of his voice. Because mm. I cherish that too. And so we've got these little granddaughters, and I'm watching them, and they're my teachers. I don't think they know what to do with their their mom's words or their their dad's words to them. They they don't know what it means. Mm. But I've, I've, I'm observing how responsive they're they're becoming to the sound of their mom's voice, their dad's voice, mm-hmm. and it it stirs in me. Um, a longing to not just want to hear what God says directly um, through Scripture, through circumstances, through what other people might say, but also that quality of God's voice. And I think that's true in in relationships with people. There are voices I trust. Mm. My father-in-law's voice was a, a it's a voice that I trusted. Mm-hmm. I could hear his voice, and even if his words weren't to my liking, I paid attention because I know that voice. Yeah, that's a good voice. Mm. That's a that's a trustworthy. That's a reliable voice. Yeah, yeah. So there's isn't that an interesting guy. I like this. So let me let me take it a, a direction. One of the things I really enjoy is um, reading a book by someone who I know and 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 like because when I'll read the words, I hear their voice. Yes, and it's just it somehow gives an extra uh, texture to it, a meaning. And, and I think what I want to take with that in what you're saying about the words with the Bible, that we listen to the words, study the words, hold the words, ingest the words, but also hear the voice in, in the words and the tone and texture the, that we've come to know, the reliability, the trustworthy of God's voice uh, saying those words. Is that, is that where you were going or is that fit? Yeah, it's exactly and and Jesus' words come to mind. He said, "My sheep know my voice." Yeah, there we go. They know my voice. Uh, not could have said they know my words, but they they know my voice. And there was a video that I guess went viral here a few years ago. Um, I think it was a school teacher who'd taken her class to his farm, and the farmer was teaching them how to call his sheep. Okay. And they were saying the words that he gave them to say, but they didn't come. 
And one kid after another, and they're, they're standing there dumbfounded. You know, I'm saying, I'm saying what he's telling me to say. They're not mm-hmm. coming. And, and then he called them and he used the same words, but here they come. Yeah. Beautiful. They knew the voice. They knew the voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, that's not being dismissive of the words. I, I don't know. Maybe if uh, he used some other words, they would not have come. I, I, I don't know. But point's still a lovely one and, and made well. Who do you listen to? I'm not supposed to be asking the questions, Emma. Well, you can. (laughs) I mean, are there people that you go to, perhaps? I mean, if you're really asking for guidance, it's not that you presume anything that they're going to say. If that was the case, you probably wouldn't ask. Mm -hmm. But people you go to? Yeah, there's people, and it it's different people for different topics, and mm. and I find really helpful to talk to different people about the same thing, and then to hold those voices together. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. I'm imagining a conversation here. Um, my son's, uh, you know, finished med school and is in his first year of his training, his his residency. I've I've heard him talk a lot about the kind of doctor he wants to be, mm-hmm. or at times the kind of doctor he does not want to be. <laughs> and, and what I've gathered from what he said is that he doesn't want to be the kind of doctor that goes into the room with a patient, tells them what to do, and expects them to do it because because he's the doctor and he said so. Right. What, what he's conveyed to me is I want to have a relationship with patients where they, where they do rely on my knowledge. But he said, I just think there are a lot of people who go to the doctor and they're told what to do and they don't do it. Mm-hmm. And it's not for their good that they don't. And, and, and his explanation, we have had this part of the conversation. I want to be the kind of doctor that people trust enough to even if what I tell them they need to do is something they don't want to do, they do it because they, they trust that I have knowledge, but that I care. Yeah. Voice that is not devoid of relationship. Right. Right. The yeah. words we can hold when the voice is born out of relational respect and love. Yes. And that fits with doctors and Friends and parents and God, right? And it goes back to what I was saying earlier about discerning. I know this sounds like something God would say, or in fact, it's something God says, but is this God's voice relaying this message to me? Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's getting down deep. But um, into this whole thing of how we discern. But I, I do think it's, it's more, and I'll explain why in a moment. I think it's more than just um, whether God would say this or that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know some of my story. I got into some pretty serious trouble because 
I, I knew some things that God says, and I knew that they were true. Um, go into the world and make disciples. Jesus said that. <laughs> but he didn't say, go until it's to your detriment. He didn't say, go and make disciples until you are at risk of continuing to be one yourself. <laughs> Don't go until you find yourself utterly depleted, never stopping to rest, never stopping to listen, to, to hear my voice, because it's been telling you to stop for weeks, hmm. months, years, right? Hmm. So that's some of why I think I'm so passionate about this. It's not enough to just know what. We've got we've to be careful to discern. Is this God speaking? <laughs> I think God is hopelessly relational. <laughs> I mean, values so much relationship that there's no escaping it. I mean, there's... Um, I'm just overwhelmed by how he wants us to be in relationship with the Trinity, but you and me in relationship. Mm. And um, so here's another one. Um, so God, God says about David, you know, this guy's special. He's, he's a man after my heart. Mm -hmm. And that leads me to wonder, wow, what, what's going on there? I think what he's saying is this, this man really loves me. Mm -hmm. He really loves me. What brought about that deep love, that deep affection? That, and one of the things that I picked up on in the Psalms, uh, David says, I love God because he listened to me. And there's, there's something about, I'm not loving my wife when I'm not listening to my wife. It's mm. not. Just don't. I just don't. I can't. It's indefensible. I'm not loving you when I don't really listen. It was Bonhoeffer who said, the person who listens well loves well. And so this whole thing of guidance is so much about on so many different levels. And I'm not just talking about using our ears. Right. I think there's a way to enlist all of our services or all of our senses in, in that there are many ways to listen, to pay attention, be guided. Mm -hmm. And this is a way we love. Yeah. yeah. What a wonderful thing. We seek to love by listening and we get this wonderful thing of guidance yeah. <laughs> can yeah. come forth. How do you, I'm asking another question. Okay. Um, when someone seeks you out and asks you for guidance, what's that experience like for you? I don't know where this is going to go, but I'll, I'll talk and see. <laughs> um, I remember early on when, when I was a counselor and people would come and ask for advice or guidance and how how that felt to the ego and there's a there's a power differential in there and very early on and part of it was just my training as well but to realize that the greater good 
the best way to serve this person is often to not give advice or guidance, but to listen really well and ask good questions and prayerfully discern at what juncture point is it helpful and appropriate to even give a response. So I, I, you know, every now and then I'll get tricked in with the ego piece to where I'll want to just, you know, run at the mouth with my, my brilliance or <laughs> perceived brilliance. Um, but most of the time I'm, I, I try to not say too much. Perhaps you're too hard on yourself. I'm not to dismiss what you're saying, but I, I think I know you well enough to imagine this, that there would be times when you would uh, listen to a person struggle and because you love them, care for them, you'd want, you'd want a lot to help. You can see that they really are kind of lost. And uh, I, ca- I call that getting kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> I get kidnapped by my desire to help. And, and knowing that less is often more. And I can, yeah. I can mess yeah. this up pretty bad by throwing a lot of really, you know, too many good things that they can't yeah. digest or that is. Yeah. My kids, are, my kids are great. They still say this, Dad, know your role. <laughs> Sometimes they'll say it another way. Stay in your lane, Dad. Which means to, uh, quiet, please. Yes, yes, yes. I, don't you? I mean, I I really believe. Um, so in in my role in some people's lives as a spiritual director, I think one of the most important things for me to keep in front of my mind is that the Holy Spirit's really the only qualified guide here, uh-huh. and, and and that my role. My lane is much more about the listening that goes on. Mm-hmm. I love how Jesus throws these curveballs. You know, he says, I'm with you all the time. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I've made a home for myself within you. I mean, but then, then he says, whenever two or three are together because of me, I'll be there. And that almost sounds like changing the rules or something like, well, what about all those other? No, it's not, it's not that I'm not with you, those not taking anything back. But I think for me, oftentimes that means um, I'm going to manifest my presence in a different way. Hmm. Your experience of me is going to be perhaps enhanced, at least different. Mm-hmm. I was with my spiritual director Friday, and we talked about some things that I'd been pondering alone with God for days. And it wasn't like I finally figured it out when I sat down with her. I, th- I just think God showed up in a different way. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it had to do with how well she listened to me for a pretty long period of time. <laughs> and maybe I wouldn't have talked it out that much that well if it hadn't just been for her presence right her listening presence well there you have it there's a lot in there i should note phil's written two books 
running on empty, contemplative spirituality for overachievers, and breaking the rules. And he's just co-authored a soon-to-be-released book titled Blind Spots, which you don't see can hurt you. You can find out more about Phil's work and a series of amazing videos he's done on the spiritual practice of solitude at his website, philanderson.com. It's Phil with an F, F-I-L. Hey, thanks for being on this journey with me. Have a great week.